0: Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. COVID has switched my attention to major league games this year, but players develop at that level as well until they no longer do. If you have questions about this episode, Cubs development, pretty much anything else, fire away on the contest line, at Tim815 on Twitter, or on my Facebook, Prearb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by. For today's episode, build your own hater and ask me questions if I was confusing. We spend our time where it's valued, and I don't wish to waste yours. I missed yesterday's game. I've had some other things going on that... Hey, COVID times are interesting. I'll put it that way. Um... I did see Josh Hader came out of the bullpen and made about 30 pitches and is unlikely for today. Probably they'd use him on Sunday if necessary. Today's podcast is about how the Cubs can develop or locate in some other fashion their own Josh Hader. What a lot of baseball fans are interested in is once a player becomes popular, well-known, scary, whatever term you want, that's the guy we want because he's done really well and let's try to get him. Josh Hader, probably a bit less so because um, there's a lot of sentiment out there that haters kind of a tool. So you don't necessarily want to have specifically Josh Hader, but you'd like to have a player who is as productive as Josh Hader can come in in key situations like Hater and get people out. So, how can a team develop their own Josh Hater? I'm not going to answer that question for you today. That's a many layered case. But what I am going to do, I'm going to talk about Josh Hader, specifically his player development. People like to think sometimes that a player is always obviously going to be terrible or a superstar. One of the popular back and forths on Twitter is between people who have no interest in prospects and people who are prospect huggers. I, I, I'm putting up air quotes for you. Prospect huggers. Um, the thing with prospects, they're not always going to work. In fact, a lot of times they're not going to work. But if you have a player who is going to be good, and you trade him away, particularly for a for an insignificant amount, yeah, that's going to come back and bite you in the butt eventually. Josh Hader kind of goes to that. So uh, with prospects, it's useful quickly as possible, as, pric- as quickly as practicable for teams to decide which guys are dudes and which guys are, might eventually be able to be useful in one fashion or another. Here how I use the nuance there? I, I, baseball is a nuance game. Baseball is very rarely an all or nothing game. It's much more likely to be. This guy could be moderately useful for our team. Okay, then if the price is right, you'll acquire him. And that's the way things go. Here's a look at Josh Hader. In reality, the history of Josh Hader. He was a 19th round draft pick in 2012. 19th rounder as of... The 2021 draft, and presumably for years after that, the draft is going to be reduced from, well, it was reduced from 40 rounds to five for 2020. It will go back out to 20 rounds in 2021, supposedly. 19th round draft picks aren't normally thought of as this guy is going to be dangerous. Nineteenth round draft picks are usually afterthoughts. Players selected from a NAIA school or some some hyphen school, something that you know you're, you don't even. Oh, that team has a that team plays baseball. It does. Huh. Oh, didn't know that. Or. That is the actual name of a school. People don't think of 19th round draft choices as being likely to be valid. So 2012, Josh Hader was picked as a 19th round draft pick from Old Mill High School in Millersville, Maryland. I have a niece, who is amazing, who just moved to Virginia she's Virginia Beach I think I think I think but I wouldn't bet too much money on it I should know that but um so I have I have no idea where Millersville is but I've been told that Maryland is a much better baseball state than you might think so okay there you go Millersville Maryland he was drafted not by Milwaukee he was drafted by. Baltimore. Baltimore drafted the local kid in the 19th round out of Millersville High School and sent him off to the lowest levels of the minor leagues that they possibly could. In 2012, he had two stops. I'm just going to read earned run averages. You can argue that, oh, there are a whole lot of better things that you should be telling us. Tell us stuff other than earned run average. Tell us, Fielding, independent pitching, and OPS, uh, ERA plus, and uh, ratings from um, readings from a radar gun, and all that. I'm going to read your earned run averages because earned run averages are easy to find. And watching his earned run averages, kind of, kind of interesting to see. Do the Cubs have any players who could possibly, in their pipeline, do something kind of along these lines? Okay, in 2012, his first fractional year, he had two stops, lower minors, 0.00 at one stop, and 2.96 at another stop. Got in a couple innings, then he was done. 2013, he started off in... I think that's when he was in the South Atlantic League. 2013, he started the year with Baltimore, had a 2.65 ERA up until about July. And then the Orioles traded Josh Hader. And you're thinking the Orioles probably traded him to Milwaukee, right? Right, right, right? No, Orioles traded him to Houston in the Bud Norris trade. You think that maybe retroactively, eventually, the Orioles thought, you know, we probably should have traded somebody else. The fun part of trading for prospects is you really don't know how any certain player is going to develop. He's going to do what he's going to do and then. He's going, to, he's going to develop, and you just don't know. When you're acquiring a prospect for a Bud Norris, you really don't know how he's going to develop. The team, hopefully, has a pretty good read on him, but to get Josh Hader for Bud Norris, yeah, that's kind of that's useful. Having quality players in your pipeline, is important knowing the oh what you say presumed pathway of those players and how they're going to do as they reach major league baseball and in major league baseball that's kind of useful too know who the guys are that are the dudes and know who the guys are that you trade the other that you trade the guys that are not going to be dudes i can't emphasize enough how much I enjoy that you guys listen to my podcasts. If you want to make sure that I keep churning them out, I have two recommendations. Suggest them to a like-minded Cubs fan or consider sponsoring my efforts. Well, either would be greatly appreciated. Your continued listening is very important as well. So the Astros trade for Josh Hader giving up Bud Norris. The Astros were close. This was a little bit before the time that the Cubs traded to get Jake Arietta. So the, Ast- the, the Astros were a terrible team and the Orioles were good. So uh, the the Astros decided, well, we're not going anywhere. Norris, he was probably a free agent at the end of the year. Let's get rid of Bud Norris and get the best available prospect we can. Hey, there's this Josh Hader kid, high school guy, drafted him in 19th round, did pretty well last year, doing pretty well this year. Let's trade for him. That's basically what you're looking for when you're trading a veteran for a prospect. And back then, Hader didn't have to be at the alternate training site to be incorporated in a trade. What a stupid flipping idea, Bud. Uh, Bud Seelig. I mean Rob Manfred. I I apologize, Bud. I apologize, Bud Seelig, for accidentally referring to Rob Manfred as you. That's pretty much inexcusable. Um, But there you go. So the Astros trade to acquire Josh Hader in the Bud Norris trade. In 2013, after being acquired in the Midwest League, Hayter had an ERA of 3.22. It's all right. You get a lot of guys who have an ERA of 3.22. That's all right. You, you don't get jumpity-jumpity about it. Yeah, All right, he, he did his job. He's as good as the level. He probably deserved to move up to the next level the next year, and that's what you're looking at. Okay, so 2014... The Astros send him a level up, advanced A, and Josh Hader has an ERA of 2.70. Uh, I can't remember. I think they might have been out in the Cal League then. Uh, 2.70. Again, decent numbers. You, you don't overreact. It's like, oh, okay. got Got another guy who's getting to the upper level of the minor leagues, and he's doing fairly well. So, uh, 2014, second half of the year, they send him to double A. Now, double A is where sometimes players have trouble. If a player has trouble in their first attempt at the double A level, it's not a oh my goodness, he's never going to be any good because he had trouble at double A. Want to believe, wanna be, want to get some evidence on that. After having a partial season ERA of 2.70 in the California League, Josh Hader was brought up to the double A level. He was younger than the level, but it's still, it's double A level. It's his first time. His ERA was 6.30. Now, if you're going to look at numbers and overreact the stuff, oh my goodness, this guy's terrible. Let's get rid of him. His ERA was 6.30, a double. Didn't know you're trying to develop a player. Season ended. And he went off to whatever, came back to the same double A level. Take a guess. Don't don't look. Don't don't Google it. Don't go to baseball ref and look it up. His first year, his ERA at the double A level was 6.30. For one reason or another, it was a partial season. At the same AA affiliate, take a guess, take a guess, go ahead, take a guess. What do you think Josh Hader's ERA was his second time around in AA ball? The answer is, ding, 3.17. Not better than 6.30. But it, it wasn't a case of a AA he had an ERA of 0.97 and he blew through the league. At, no, he was, he was going through. He was developing. Now, why did I say he had a partial season at A for Houston in 2015? That's because he was traded to Milwaukee in a trade for Mike Fiers and Carlos Gomez. It was a, I think there were four different people and there was some, there was a, either international spending money or a draft pick or th- there was something going back the other way. But it was... Uh, It was a convoluted trade. The Astros ended up getting Mike Fiers and Carlos Gonzalez, gave up four people, including Josh Hader. Do you think Josh Hader might have been useful for Houston? Maybe he might have been. The team's looking for talent in trades. They're going to try to get the best prospects they can. All the other stuff goes aside they want the best playing prospects if they're making a trade. And Milwaukee was able to um, unloosen Josh Hader and a couple other guys. Adrian Hauser was one of them. That's the name that sticks to my mind because he's been up in the major leagues and pitching here and there. So the Brewers acquire Josh Hader and send him to double A. And his ERA, his first double-A season, was 2.79. That year, they sent him to A. No, they sent him to the Arizona Fall League. The 2015 Arizona Fall League. And Hater's ERA in the Arizona Fall League against a good field of prospects. That's starting to sound pretty good, isn't it? But now, so I'm going to run down his partial list of his ERA by stops at different levels 0.00, 2.96, 2.65, 3.22, 2.70, 6.30, 3.17, 2.79, 0.56. So far, there's nothing there that is high hollering at the top of your lungs. This guy is going to be a legendary fireman at the major league level. That's not necessarily how it works. When you're developing talent in a minor league system, in a minor league pipeline, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to develop talent. It's not a kid shows up from Millersville High School. No, Mill, yeah, Millersville High School and uh, Old Mill High School in Millersville, Maryland, and is immediately better than everybody in the league. No, that's not how it works. There are are a bunch of levels of minor league baseball. There are going to be fewer levels next year than there were last year, but there are a bunch of levels, and you get to a level, you'll probably struggle a little bit, and if you're going to be a major leaguer eventually, you'll probably have some good outings. And then you go to the next level and you prove yourself there. If you don't have patience, baseball is probably not a very good sport for you. If you are very committed to baseball, you might want to work on your patience. People who listen to this podcast probably don't have that problem. A lot of baseball fans are... Oh, my God, this guy had a bad outing. Let's launch him into the sun. Whereas most of the time in that situation, I'm saying, hey, the other guys are good pros too. The other guys are good also. If the pitcher ends up giving up a home run to Christian Yelich, well, Yelich is kind of good. You know, you, you don't want to see the guy give up a home run to Christian Yelich, but Yelich is kind of good. So, yeah. Seems seems a reasonable um, seems a reasonable acknowledgement. So we get to 2016, and despite having been at Double A for a full season and a partial season, the Brewers send Hader back to Double A for his third season, and he has an ERA of 0.95. Now that's kind of good. They move him up to AAA where he stays the next, the rest of the season. His ERA was, take a guess, first try at AAA, take a guess what his ERA was, Ding, 5.22. Not particularly impressive sounding. So sometimes a pitcher can get cuffed around a bit at AAA and still eventually be a good pitcher. It's possible. It happened with Josh Hader. His first time, his ERA was 5.22. So the 2016 season ends. Everybody goes back home. Everybody comes back. 2017 starts. And Milwaukee sends Hader to AAA to start the season. Take a guess what his ERA was his second time around. His first time around, his ERA was 5.22. Now this time, I think they're still in Colorado Springs in 2017 with their AAA squad. So that's going to inflate an ERA a little bit. So in 2016, his ERA was 5.22. What is his ERA in 2017? What do you think? Go ahead. Spit it out. What do you think it'll be? Ah, okay, good job. Good guess. The answer is, ding, 5.37. So he did worse his second time around. And then he ended up getting called up to the major leagues. And he's been incredible ever since. It's not a direct line as far as player does amazingly well at AA or at A ball, and he does amazingly well at advanced A. Then he does amazingly well at AA, and he does amazingly well at AAA. And that's how you can tell a guy's going to be good at the major leagues. Nah, everybody struggles. Baseball's hard. Sometimes pitching in Colorado Springs in the minor leagues. God, that's got to be a. That, that had to be terrible because you're pitching at elevation in all your home games. So either you're pitching at elevation or you're on the road. And in the um, Pacific Coast League, there's a whole lot of teams that are at elevation. So if half your games are at home at elevation, you're going to have a really elevated ERA. So yeah, it's kind of it was kind of tough there. Now Milwaukee has their AAA squad down in San Antonio, and it's a lot more normal. If you want the Cubs to have a weapon out of the bullpen like Josh Hader, preferably without the being a tool, there are basically three ways you can acquire him. One is through the draft. Hater was selected in the 19th round. I haven't gone back to check brewer blogs, but I haven't checked. I, but if I did check, I doubt I'd be seeing people saying, wow, this is so cool. We got Josh Hater in the 19th round. Can you believe it? Josh flipping hater, he's gonna be amazing. I doubt if I would go back to it, wouldn't be the brewers, it'd be the Orioles. If I would go back to the Orioles' blogs, I doubt anybody had any idea who Josh Hader was because he was some dude from a local high school and they signed him. Nobody had any idea what he was going to become. Players who were drafted, a lot of them, you there's no way you even possibly could have heard of them and... On draft day, everybody does the, oh, okay, the the pick has been announced. Now I'm going to rush to even, either Ben Badler or whoever your guy is, Keith Law, and check to see what they have to say about him. If it's a guy out of high school, I won't have any information for you at all. None. Because I don't follow high school baseball games very often. And if I do, it's unlikely that it has anybody that is going to be drafted really high in, in the draft. So you can draft you can draft a player in the June draft, you can sign a player internationally, or you can acquire one through trade. Similarly, you can trade away a Josh hater to get someone back, be it a Bud Norris, be it a Mike Fires, be it a Carlos Gomez. And if you end up trading away the wrong guy, you might regret it eventually. And it might not take too horribly long for you to regret it. Develop talent internally. How that happens, different different episode of the podcast. But if you want to create your own Josh Hader, if you want the Cubs to have guys who hmm. This guy could eventually be fairly good. It's not looking at Rep Soto numbers immediately. It's not looking. Is the guy getting out? Is the guy you send the guy out to be a reliever. Let's say uh Michael McAveen, who the Cubs selected in 2019 in the third round out of Louisville. McAveen could be a Josh Hader type. He's a right-hander, but he throws hard. He's primarily a reliever and isn't one of these types who uh, pretty much falls apart and is dead after 20 pitches. There's a lot of pitchers who, if they're expected to make any more than 20 pitches, their velocity tumbles and their uh, wallflowers. Josh Hader has the ability to go multiple innings. Michael McAveen from Louisville might also be able to be able to go more than one inning. So he might eventually develop into the guy who you bring him in in the seventh or eighth inning and ask him to get six outs. So now, am I saying Michael McAveen is going to be Josh Hader without question? No, no can't know that. I have a very horrible record of projecting how well a player will do at any more than one level above how he that he's produced to so far. So for instance, McAveen pitched in Eugene. He did all right. If I were to guess on Michael McAveen, the longest possible assessment I would have made, was how's he gonna do this year at South Bend? That would have been the only thing. Don't don't think about seven years down the line with prospects immediately. How's he doing now? Is he better than the guys he's up against? And realistically, the only way you're going to know how those players are actually doing, unless you're gonna look at ERAs and look at um the uh, player search and sort at fan graphs. The easiest way to know how a specific player is doing at a specific level. This is really old school. Listen to a game. Watch a game. I don't know if you're going to get MLB TV next time around. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. But... Audio is provided for every Cubs minor league game above the compound level. So once a guy hits anything above the Arizona Cubs, you can listen to the game. So if you have a dude who you've been interested in, let's take the guy who, the pitcher who was selected before um, Michael McAveen. In 2019, McAveen went third round. Chase Strumpf went second round. Ryan Jensen went the, went in the first round. Jensen should probably be added in the next week or so to the Cubs alternate training site because he should probably get some work in against some qual- quality opponents. Jensen is uh, what I think he's six four. Throws 98, 99, 100. Has at least two pitches. So he could be a starter. He could be a reliever. And if Jensen's your dude, what you ought to do, if you have a pitcher who's your dude, and that's actually a really good way to do it, have one guy in the minor leagues from each draft pool that you're interested in. One guy that's your dude. Follow that one dude kind of closely. How's he doing? And if he's doing horribly, that's all right. You didn't guess wrong. You're trying to educate yourself. You're trying to be more useful in conversation. You're trying to educate your friends if they're interested and having valid information. So let's say Ryan Jensen is your dude from the Cubs 2019 draft class. When he's pitching... Listen to the game. Simple. Flip on the game. He's playing for, you know, if he's playing for the high A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs National League Ball Club. Listen to the game. Flip it on. Listen to the game. How's he doing? Don't get overly attached to, oh my goodness, he gave up a double with two guys on in the third inning. I'm going to overreact. No, no. Players get hits. Pitchers strike out good hitters. Stuff happens. Slowly take in information on the player that already interests you. Every draft, there should be one guy that really interests you in each draft. Why why is that? Because you can draft a Josh Hader in the 19th round. Every draft ought to have someone who is at least interesting. And if you pick a guy who you think is kind of interesting, follow the heck out of him. Know what he's doing. If you're on Twitter, which a lot of you are, follow the person who is announcing the games. So let's say he's at Advanced A-Ball. Everything's up in the air as far as how everything's going to work next year, but we do know the Cubs are going to have an advanced day affiliate somewhere. That affiliate is going to have a media director, an announcer dude, or an announcer lady. the the announcer The announcers, the the ladies who are announcers in baseball, they flip and rock. I just. I don't care what your opinion is on, oh, we shouldn't, women, they shouldn't, no. Maura Sheridan is fantastic. Um, Kirsten Karbach is amazing. If the Cubs end up having a lady doing the announcing for their minor league games, cool. Bring it because they're good. Um, whoever the announcer is for that team that has your dude, follow that team, follow that guy. If it's a hitter, let's say you decide you want to follow, um, Ed Howard this year. Yeah, it's kind of non-imaginative to follow the guy who got drafted, 15th in the draft and was the first guy in the draft. Let's say Ed Howard's your dude. How would one go about following Ed Howard as a minor leaguer? Within reason. You know, without being a creeper stalker dude. Okay, Ed Howard, whichever team he's going to, whichever affiliate he's going to play for next season, my guess would be south bend in the midwest league that would be my guess i could be wrong that would be my guess my guess would be ed howard in 2021 will be the starting shortstop for the south bend cubs and he will bat top three in the lineup pretty much every day he's playing Sometimes he'll be the shortstop. Occasionally, they might move him over to a different position to get him a little bit of positional flexibility. Who knows? They might stick him out in center field once in a while. You never know. But he'll bat somewhere in the top three, and he'll probably play defensively at a a rather important position. So how, how does someone, without interfering with the rest of their life, follow... Ed Howard in 2021 to gain information to be more reliable as a source regarding Ed Howard as a Cubs prospect developing. Now, you can follow me and hey, I'll I i I'll try my best to tell you what Ed Howard's doing. But as far as if you want to go a little bit further, dig a little bit deeper, here's a real easy way. Real easy way. This way works with starting pitchers, and it works with hitters that are considered prospects. For either one, this way generally completely works. Here's how it works. Listen to the first inning of a game. Ding! That's all you got to do. If you're listening to... let's, Let's go back in time. Let's go back in time a little bit, and let's say when Chris Bryant was on the team that made the Florida State League finals. I think they were against a Minnesota foe in the Florida State League back in 2013. He'd been drafted in 2013. He went to Eugene, shredded there, He jumped over the Midwest League because the Cubs wanted to have Jamer Candelario continue to play there, so they moved Bryant over to Daytona, and Bryant was playing for Daytona in 2013. If you wanted to get a little bit of knowledge on Chris Bryant when he was in advanced A level, here's how you could have done it. Listen to the first inning of every game. That's it. After the first thing is done, you move on. Well, that's only one inning. How, how are you going to learn anything from that? Well, Chris Bryant was going to hit second or third every night. Which means you were going to get one at bat where you got to listen to Chris Bryant as a developing player. Similarly, Bryant was usually playing defensively, usually at third base. So if you're listening to an inning of a random baseball game, what's the likelihood in the first inning of a game there's going to be a ground ball to third base? Hmm, I don't know. Half the time, third baseman might be involved one way or another in a play. And if you happen to flip it on and uh, the announcer says... Ground ball to third base, Ryan brain ranges to his left, makes a nice grab, the throw is a bit in the dirt, but in plenty of time, you've learned something there. It's not something that you're going to be able to get a, write a college thesis on, but if you get information on a player, that's what you're trying to get if you're trying to develop your knowledge base. You're trying to add information. If you're trying, if the Cubs are trying to develop a Josh Hader or anyone else, the way the player is being developed is in the minor leagues. Every draft, pick a dude. One dude. Doesn't matter who it is. This year for you, it could be Justin Nowagu from Michigan. Or it can be Luke Little. For a lot of people, it's Burl Caraway, Osley Caraway, 98, 99, left-handed reliever. Now it's perfectly fine to pick Osley Burl Caraway as your dude, but not get overly attached and say he ought to get called up to the major leagues right now because he's my guy. And no, 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 just he's your guy. He's your guy. If there's anything on Burl Caraway out there, and Burl Caraway's your guy, read the article. Somebody links something, read the article. If you learn anything about your guy in the article, retweet it so everybody that's following you sees an article on Burl Caraway. Whoever your dude is, take one guy from that draft, he's your dude. And if it ends up being a case of somebody else ends up being better or nobody from that draft really ends up panning out a whole lot, you've learned something. You've learned something. Sometimes players will be on pregame or postgame shows for interviews. If you are good enough um, Twitter allies with the announcer for the team of the player that's your dude, uh, let's let's use Burl Caraway. He he very well might be at Advanced A next year. Fair call. I, he he might be at South Bend. He might be at Advanced A. Let's say you got Burl Caraway and Ryan Jensen both at Advanced A. Burl Caraway is your guy from 2020. Ryan Jensen is your guy from 2019. So you you have two classes, two dudes, and as it happens. In this parallel universe, they're both on the same squad. So, hey, you got to find out whoever, who's going to be that guy who's the announcer, dude, for the Advanced Today squad, for the Cubs. Maybe it'll be Myrtle Beach. Maybe it'll be someplace completely different. And if it is someplace completely different, a whole bunch of people are going to overreact because the place where the games are being played is largely insignificant. You should have heard the overreactions. When the it was horrible when the Cubs left Peoria and they and they went to King County. It was terrible. All the people in Peoria hate the Cubs now, and they want the Cardinals to win all the time. Hey, Nathan, believe was fun to listen to. He's great. He's wonderful on Twitter. He was commenting today on how Dylan Carlson was making his major league debut, and it was great. He talked about Dylan cease who was pitching against St. Louis Dylan cease had pitched in um, Peoria that was cool and Nathan does a great job but you don't have to suddenly hate Dylan uh, hate Nathan Boliva because he's doing Cardinals games he's announcing he's educating people he's doing his job he's doing his job well hey that's cool. He doesn't want to. He doesn't follow me on Twitter for reasons and reasons and reasons. That's fine. That's cool. He's got his life. But Nathan, Nathan's cool. Nathan does a nice job of announcing games. I much much prefer listening to the games when he's listening instead of when he's taking his inning or two off, and the second guy fills in. Nathan is very good and he's very funny. And watching following him on Twitter is even more amusing. But wherever the Cubs affiliates end up being the players will have a chance to get better the announcers will be very professional about trying to bring you educational information on the game Darren Pritchett's great in South Bend the the entire Cubs announcing core has been very good for quite a while and if you pick a dude follow that dude, listen to an inning, an inning. Now, let's say it's a reliever you're interested in. Maybe then you have to do a little bit more homework and get used to whether the dude is likely to pitch that night or not. The Cubs at the lower levels don't like to have players pitch on back-to-back days. So... The guy you're following goes out and tosses two innings on Tuesday. He's not going to pitch Wednesday. He's not going to. He's probably not. He pitched two innings on Tuesday. He's not going to pitch on Wednesday. He probably won't pitch on Thursday either. He probably won't. He might, but usually if you end up having a guy, the goal is to get them consistent work. In the minor leagues, it's not about, ooh, this is a save situation. This is no, 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 no. You want to get players consistent work. It's not all that important about, well, we want to make sure he's ready for the series against Great Lakes. Well, no, 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 no. You want to get the guy work. So if you happen to know that, or you happen to think, it's probably the night for your reliever dude, To get two innings at Myrtle Beach. Okay. It's probably his night. You might want to drop a little tweet in. uh, Drop an instant message to the announcer. And make sure that. So is he probably going to be pitching tonight? Um, He won't know for sure. But usually announcers have a little bit of a lead in. As far as we'll probably go with this guy for a couple innings. This guy will pitch. And then if necessary, these two guys will be sitting on the side. And it's usually how it works in the minor leagues because it's more about development than winning every single ball game. And But usually after a while, you'll get the feel for, okay, he's going to pitch on Tuesday. And then he's probably going to pitch on Friday. And then come back the next Monday. Usually it'll be, he'll pitch whatever his pitch limit is get two days off, and then come back on the third day and pitch again. That's usually how they do it. So if you end up getting to think that, well, my guy's probably going to be pitching in the seventh inning in the Myrtle Beach game today. Okay, that's cool. You, you, you carry on with your life. You get your, uh, your bills paid. You mow the lawn. You uh, have a little drink. You have dinner. You make sure to clean up after dinner. You uh, spend some time with the kids. Make sure they're doing their homework wrong. And then it gets to be, um, oh, first pitch, 6 o'clock. So seventh inning, we're probably, probably about 7.30. You want to check in on the game. How's it going? How's it progressing? Is there a rain delay? Um, is everything progressing properly? Okay, so the 6 o'clock game ends up being the 7.42, your guy comes on. Now, that's your game. However it is that the Cubs are doing, however it is that you've got your game now, you're listening, how is my guy doing? Get your notepad out, get your index cards, get your pen, get your gel pen that uh, successfully writes for you. and. Start taking notes, chat stuff down. Hey, he is a 97. He's a 97. And his splitter was filthy. 97. He was generally he faced nine hitters. He hit one of them. But he hit faced nine hitters. He threw seven first pitch strikes. See how there are things that any outing you can. He he got uh four. Ground ball's on the infield. One guy who's going to be at the next level real soon knocked him for a double. Hey, that stuff kind of happens. He's going to be good too. They'll, they both might be running into each other a double A kind of soon. Who's your guy? Who's your guy? Listen to him play. Then you learn things. Then you'll learn things. And when you start to learn things, that can't be taken away from you. The um, the concept of minor league baseball as a learning tool. It's tough for me to overemphasize that. It might not work for you. A lot of people are, I have to see the game. Um, baseball is a wonderful audio sport. Wonderful audio sport. I watched Brick House growing up. And I would watch Harry Carey. But I would also listen on the radio. Baseball is a phenomenal radio sport because any competent announcer can talk you through a game and give you information. The 1-1 uh, one, one pitch, pop foul down the right field line, it's going to carry into the stands. In this guy's sophomore year in college, he... And then the announcer goes into a little nugget that takes him two pitches to complete. And now, all of a sudden, you have more information on your dude. Or maybe it's a different guy on the team that the vignette is about. And uh, you hear about somebody else on the team, it's like, you know, that that guy's kind of cool sounding too. I'm kind of interested in him now. And that's how audio baseball works. Video baseball, you're paying full attention to everything, what that's going on. And that's cool. That's great. That's wonderful. But with audio baseball, you can be listening to an announcer announce a game while you're brushing your teeth. Or rearranging your sock drawer. Or reading a book on your favorite philanthropic group. Or whatever you're, you're reading along, you're reading along, and you're getting information. Even if you can't specifically remember what it is that you heard, you're get. Is the guy getting out in front of the hitters? Are the hitters timing him up? If a guy is pitching well at any level, you can tell. It's not a question of what were his numbers coming into the game. If a guy's getting three pitches over and he's keeping the hitters off balance, it doesn't matter. There have been a number of pitchers through the years who he only throws 87 or 88 maximum. Heck, look at Kyle Hendricks. That's got to be a frustrating 0 for 4. You come in, I know I can hit this guy. He's throwing Nothing. 88, 89 miles an hour. Two and a half hours later, you're 0 for 4. You hit two ground balls to the third baseman. You popped up once to the catcher. And you looked at strike three once. That's got to be real frustrating. You can develop your own either physical or mental dossier on whatever player you want in the Cubs pipeline. All you got to do... Just pay attention. Listen to the ball game. You don't have to listen to the whole ball game. If you're listening for a hitter, he's going to hit in the first inning. Listen to that inning. And then go on with the rest of your life. If you're listening to a pitcher, maybe you'll want to uh, listen to the first two innings if he's a starter. Listen to the first two innings. That'll usually get you about once through the lineup. And if you're trying to assess a pitcher... You don't necessarily want to prioritize his at bats against the guy who's hitting 167 and has driven in two runs in 87 at bats. That's not necessarily the guy you want to assess stuff off of. How does he do against the second, third, fourth, and fifth hitters? Does he get the leadoff batter out? How's he do it holding runners on? Are people running wild on him on the bases? Information. Things that you can remember. Things that you can pass on to other people, and say, "Hey, I was listening to the, I was listening to the Tennessee Smokies game the other night for a couple innings, and, duh, 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 duh. Mick Gillespie talking about Nico Horner, or Mick Gillespie talking about how this guy that the Cubs have, Javier Baez, he has this. Sometimes it's like he'll." intentionally get himself picked off of first base so he can go to second, and there's this slide thing that he does. Javi was doing that in double-A. Mick Gillespie was talking about Javier Baez deliberately getting himself picked off in double-A so that he could work on his sliding with defenders trying to tag him. That's not a new thing. Javier Baez was doing that in double-A ball. If you're listening to a minor league game and you pick up something, wow, this pitcher that's doing really well against the rest of the league and is doing really well against the rest of the lineup, our guy handled him really well. The the guy that I'm following, he handled him really well. That's information. Minor League Baseball is about obtaining information. Players, whether they're Josh Hader or whether they're someone else, they're developing. The way to have a player like Josh Hader in the Cubs system is to develop a player like Josh Hader in the Cubs system. Who it is. Who it's going to be, whether it's a right hand or whether it's a left hand, you don't know. You really don't know. The only way you're going to find out is by having the patience to gather information and watch the years develop. And if you've decided that you want to start having more information on minor league players, cool. Minor league baseball is a great thing. And you can learn a whole lot. I've learned a whole lot of stuff by taking naps to minor league games. I'm convinced that when I'm napping, I'm still taking in the information that's being stated. And I'm learning stuff about players, even if I can't put it all into words. Minor league baseball absolutely rocks. And you should pick a player from each Cubs draft to follow and learn about them. Along the way, two things are going to happen. I warn you, two things are going to happen. If you pick dudes that you want to follow and learn about, one, you're going to learn about that dude. Some of it might be good. Some of it might be less good. But you're going to learn about that dude. And another thing, you're going to learn about other players too. Players on other teams, players in other organizations, other players on the squad. You're going to, geez, there's this guy for... Myrtle Beach, he never really gets to play a whole lot, but then they boaty, I don't know, they put him in and all of a sudden he started hitting. I don't know, maybe, I thought he was kind of nothing, but who knows, maybe he'll be good, I don't know. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll try to post another podcast as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to make that worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs, go. And be nice to people.